so friends, uh, this whole last um, few weeks, we have a series here called Fake News. Fake news is all around us, you know, everywhere you look. You know, just because it's on TV doesn't mean it's real. We, we all know that. Facebook, especially Facebook, right? And uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, Crestview has had our little uh, play in fake news from time to time, usually around April 1st, right? You would put, put, put up some sort of post on, uh, online that maybe not exactly true or probably just a lie. So I want to let you guys in on uh, some of the posts that we put up over the last few years. And the first one's this right here. I put up there a picture of a, of a uh, monster truck, a monster van truck or whatever. And uh, the, the post, the, the words, you guys can't read those, I'll read them for you. It says, wow, the offering was so great yesterday that Devin was able to buy that new church van he had his eye on. God is good. <laughs> right? And people, you know, they got a lot of likes, like, ha ha, whatever. Uh, the next one, the next year we tried something that we tried to up the ante a little bit, a little bit. And so it says, as a result of the leadership decision late last night, we're excited to announce the rebranding of Crestview to Starbucks Christian Church. In a brief interview with the senior barista, Devin Went, he commented, I couldn't be happier with this change. After all, what could be more relevant than a venti, non-fat soy vanilla latte? And, and quality is everything. I told my staff that Jesus wants the coffee to be either hot or cold, not lukewarm. And the lobby will be, yeah, you got, like, I get that one. The lobby area will be transformed to a fully functioning Starbucks in time for Easter this Sunday. When Devin, when Devin was asked what his favorite book of the Bible was, he simply said, Hebrews. You've heard that one. Hebrews. That's right. The next year, like I said, we kind of upped the ante just a little bit. And uh, it said, Crestview is pleased to announce the purchase of a, new ba- of a new baptistry, right? <laughs> it comes with, complete with 42 adjustable jets, a 32-inch LCD television, Dolby surround sound, and a communion cup holder, right? <laughs> Lead pastor Devin Went was excited about the addition, stating, the Sinwasher 5000 is the latest in salvation technology. <laughs> I'll be dunking more than LeBron James, he says. He wanted to say that the temperature will be need to be constantly monitored, so it'll be installed in his office where his desk used to be. <laughs> Fake news, right? Well, not everybody took it that way. Uh, on that last one, it, it went across the Midwest. I mean, it was shared many, many times. Got more likes than I could ever hope thought that was going to do. One guy said this. He said, you, uh, "Is this what donations are for every Sunday?" I'm like, "I wish." No. <laughs> Another person commented, some uh, great grandma in Iowa, she said, you don't need all this to be baptized. I can see people, the young especially, being baptized just for the fun, not for the real reason. Luckily, one of her family members says, that's funny. I think it's a joke, grandma. <laughs> I think it's a joke. I'm like, April Fool's, yeah, so I'm glad. I, I, okay, I didn't feel bad at all about that great grandma, so I thought it was a little bit funny that she took it seriously. Anyway. So, fake news. Uh, we, we see it all over the place. It's, it's, in our, uh, it's on the TV. It's on the internet, everywhere. The bad part about it is, I think it's crept its way into our theology as well. I think it's crept into the way we, we believe and what we think about things. Uh, Those things like, um, we think salvation is tied to how good a person we are, or what we do, or, or the, the good works that we do in our life, or you can never know, you can never be assured if you're actually saved. That, that's the kind of fake news that I think, maybe we don't believe it on a, on a service level, but 
when you get right down to it, there's a kind of nagging feeling in the back of our hearts that we feel like maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not completely sure about this. So the topic I'm going to introduce you today, um, you may have guessed it or not, but we're going to talk about grace. Grace. And if I were to go around the room, talk to everybody, what's your definition for grace? I'd probably get a um, hundred different definitions for the, word, for, for the word grace. So I just want to boil it down, something you guys can uh, latch on to, take home with you. It, it comes down to just three words. God's unmerited favor. If you're following along on, on the back of the bulletin, you can go ahead and write that down right now. There's a, a few other truths that we're going to work on today. God's unmerited favor. A.W. Tozer expanded on that, on that, uh, on that uh, definition. He said, God, sorry, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. Grace is not merely unmerited favor. I mean, you can show unmerited favor to a stranger. Like, you know, what's, you, know you can show kindness to a stranger. That's unmerited favor. What, what grace is really kind of getting at is, is more like doing good to your enemies. That, that's, that's the kind of gist of grace that we're talking about today. God's unmerited favor towards us is outlined in the verse. We probably all have heard it. Probably all have seen it. Maybe uh, posted on a, uh, on, on a football game, on a sign, on TV. John 3.16. Right? If we all know it, let's go, ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and read it all together out loud. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Praise God. Anybody out there, a, a whoever, a whoever believed, uh, somebody who's believed already? I hope so. So very simply, we had a debt that we, 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 we racked it up with our sin in our life, Living the, living the wrong way, not just living the wrong way, but in rebellion against God. And, and, God, and God, he sent his son to pay that debt for us. The debt had to be paid. Instead of us hanging on that cross, he said, you know what, I, I got this, Jared. I want it. I'm going to do this for you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Paul boils things down fairly well in the letter to the Romans. He says this, follow along. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely anyone will die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still Sinners. Christ died for us. Friends, that's grace. So some of the things he used to describe us, the way we were, ungodly, right? Sinners. The, the, the word that uh, I'm going to kind of latch on to just for a little bit and, and borrow from, from Devin's sermon about sin last week, the word he used was rebellion. It, it wasn't just, you know what, we were kind of just off on our own. No, we were actively fighting against God with, with our nature, with our whole being. I mean, it wasn't just, we weren't just people who sometimes made mistakes. We weren't just people who, who wanted to follow, follow God, but we just didn't know somehow or like all the time. We weren't just people 
that kind of sometimes messed up. No, we were in rebellion. We were fighting against God. And, and while that happened, while we were in rebellion, Jesus said, you know what? I know they're my enemies, but I want this. I'm going to do it. And he did. That's, that's what grace is. That's the depth of the love that God has for us through grace. And there's, like I said, there's a, a couple truths I want to introduce, you to, introduce to you today. And, and the first one is found in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Listen to what, he, what uh, Paul says. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Paul outlines very simply in, in these uh, couple of verses an equation. For all you math people in there, you'll love this. Yeah? He says, you have been saved by grace plus faith. Grace through faith, he says. And he goes on to say, you know what? Keep works out of it. Keep all your good deeds. Keep all your good behavior. Keep all your good intentions. I don't want them. I don't need them. Subtract them. Minus your works. Then we can get to eternal life. Grace through faith minus works. The first truth is this. Go ahead and write it down in your bulletin. It says, grace is offered, not earned. Grace is offered, not earned. There may be a few different responses about how, you, how you'd feel about this truth. One guy, uh, early on in my ministry uh, as a pastor, a young pastor, um, I, I, was at, I was at this church and a guy walked in off the street and wanted to talk to a pastor and I was the best they got at the time, I guess. I chatted with him, and as I was talking with him, he's like, you know what? There's no way God can forgive me. So, well, tell me about yourself. And you know what? I had never met any man like, them, like him before that. I mean, he said he'd been in and out of jail multiple times, involved with weapons, hurting people, drugs, you name it. He was into it. He says, you know what? I hate that old life. And there's no way, there's nothing... There's no way God could forgive that. No way he could overlook that. So I said, you know what? Well, let me tell you about grace. And I got to have that conversation with them. It was a cool thing. So that, that's one reaction. Maybe think we're, we're, we're not worthy of God's forgiveness. But most people that I've, in our community, most people I've talked to, they don't have his problem thinking that we're beyond forgiveness. They think, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be saved because... I'm good enough. You ask them the question, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? They say, well, I'm a good person. I, I try to, I try to you know, not cheat on my taxes. I, I try to do the right thing. I uh, you know, buy my kids whatever they want. I don't know, whatever it is. You know, I'm a good person. Or maybe there's a third way to, to react to it. You're like, grace is offered, not earned. Yeah, I get that. I, I believe that. I know that. But the reality is, we might know it up here. Listen, we might, we might know it in here, but the way it plays out in our life doesn't act like we live it. It doesn't act like we, we truly know it. It might look a little like this, right? I know that God offers grace, but I better not break the rules. I know God offers grace, but... 
I, I better not mess up. I know God offers grace, but I, I, I need to work hard. Man, I, 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 I owe him a debt. I, I got to do this. Grace in our lives often resembles this ladder right here. Because result of God's grace and his, his death for us, he provides for us a ladder. You know what? This ladder at the top, I'm not saying that there's this many rungs, but it goes up quite a ways. But at the top, it's God. And if we, if we do our best, if we work our hardest, if we stay out of trouble, if we try not to sin, eventually we can work our way so, uh, to, to God. And this ladder is kind of like Jesus. We're, we're, we're trying to get there. We're, we're trying to earn it. Uh, maybe we, we uh, donate some money to the local mission. Maybe we get some food to someone who needs it. Maybe um, we, we, we stay involved in, in prayer. We, we go to church. Every time we do something, we're like, okay, I'm, I'm heading up the ladder. I'm doing the ladder. However, it's not like a shoots and ladders type of thing, but maybe instead of going up the ladder, we take steps down as well. You know what? I just exploded on my family. It went down the rung, maybe, maybe, maybe more than that. I, oh, man, I, I missed my Bible time this morning. Or last night I took one too many clicks on the websites. And, and you're constantly going up and down depending on your behavior. And, and, and the way that, that your closeness to God is dependent upon how you feel on any given day. How do you know if you're, up, if you're on this ladder? I can tell you, it's easy. Ask honestly the answer to this question. Do I ever wonder if I'm right with God? Do I ever wonder if I'm right with God? So here's the deal. If you, if you ever wondered if you're saved, the answer is probably yes to that question. If you ever felt like you've not done enough, You'll probably say yes to that question. And also, if you ever feel like um, that your sin is beyond forgiveness, like, man, this, man, I just keep on coming back to the same sin. You can't forgive me over and over again. You're probably saying yes to that question. If you're saying yes, you might be on this ladder where you think it's up to you. And I have news for you. If the way we view salvation, if we know, if the way we know we have salvation is based on our behavior, what we do, listen, we'll never be good enough. We can always be better. We can always do a little bit more. I'll say it one more time. If our salvation is based on our behavior, we'll never match up. But the great news is, Good people don't go to heaven. Good people don't receive eternal life. Forgiven people do. Forgiven people do. Through Christ's sacrifice, he does not give us a ladder. It's more like this right here. A lifeline. And what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross, he dropped us that lifeline he crawled down the lifeline. He tied around our, our, our dead, lifeless body, crawled up the, the rope, and then pulled us. 
That, that's what grace looks like. It, it has nothing to do with our ability to do it for ourselves. It is grace through faith. All we have to do is trust that he'll tie that for us. Now, I, I would love just to end right there, like do a little mic drop with that. It's a great illustration or whatever, but I can't. I mean, there's, there's, there's another part to grace I need to get to. The first truth, grace is free. Sorry, grace is offered. It's not earned. The second truth is this. Listen, grace is free, not cheap. Grace is free. Praise God. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's no way we can work our way to heaven. It is through, through grace, through faith that we are saved. Praise God. So when I talk about the cost of grace, I, I'm not talking about what it costs God. I mean, it cost him his son. It cost Jesus his life. Those are all facts. But when I'm talking about the cost, I'm not talking about God's cost. I'm talking about ours. It's, it's a costly thing when we receive this grace. And, and you know what? As I'm continuing here, you're going to think, wait a second, I think he's just saying the opposite of what he just got done saying. I'm not. I'm not. So, uh, um, and also as I go on, don't look at salvation like it's a loan, like Jesus did this for you, and you need to spend the rest of your, rest of your life working it off. Like you have a mortgage, you have to pay every month, you, you got to do your best, you got to do your thing. What I want to communicate is something called what Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, calls cheap grace. Just to give you a little uh, brief background on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was a pastor um, in, uh, during the World War II. He was in Nazi Germany. Uh, on top of being a Lutheran pastor, he was also a, a Nazi resistor. You know, he, he tried to, to help people who needed help. And you know what? Work against Hitler. And that earned him a place in, in one, of the, uh, one of the camps. Just months before the end of World War II, they, they knew that the things were not going well, so they had to clear house while they could. And he was one of the ones that they drug naked, put him up on the gallows, and, and hung him. Before he died, he had written a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He, he kind of knew what the cost was, I think. He, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship where he, where he talks about cheap grace, and he says this, follow along. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. What Bonhoeffer was saying is that we can't have forgiveness of sins and salvation and all the things that come with that without being a disciple without being a follower. It's the balancing of, if we're going to claim Jesus as our Savior, we must also claim him as our Lord. And, and the word Lord is not, it's not something we use uh, uh, very often anymore. It, it, leader is not a good synonym for it, nor do I think bosses. It, it kind of encapsulates a little bit. I think the best word, master, He's calling the shots. He's the one that, you know, we're leaning everything on him. We have no plan B. We're following him, even if it means death. 
So listen, what Bonhoeffer wrote matches up with what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27. Jesus, uh, large crowds were, were traveling with Jesus. And turning to, turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The first time I read through that, I'm like, hold up, hold up. He said, what? Hating? My family? He gives us two conditions in order to be his disciple. He says, the first, we need to be willing to renounce even our family in order to follow Jesus. The second is we must be willing to die. And I think that's to be taken figuratively and literally. Figuratively, we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to our way of doing things. You know, we're not going to go our way. We're going to go God's way. I'm going to give up my wants and desires to meet God's wants and desires. And even second, literally. I think quite literally, he meant, you need to be prepared to die. Physically die for following me. Be ready for that. The people who he was talking to, that's what happened. His disciples, the people around him. He goes on in that, in that, uh, in that verse, in that passage, after he says, count the cost. He says, you know, he gave two examples. The first one was uh, someone building a, a building. Someone who didn't, he didn't count the cost. He, he didn't prepare well in advance. He's just like, I don't have enough materials. He wasn't able to complete the building, so he went away, away ashamed. Another one example he gave was of a king king that was going to the battle against a superior foe. And the, and the king was like, all right, before I take them on, I have to know that I can defend. So he counted the cost. We need to count the cost also in a relationship with, with Christ. Uh, what Jesus describes as a, as a result of our faith is probably illustrated best in this, I don't know, lighthearted parable. So there's this uh, pig and a chicken. They were living on this farm and they, they had a great farmer who took care of them, loved them, man, gave everything to them. And the chicken came to the pig one day and says, you know what, isn't our life great? You know what, I want to do something nice for the farmer. Pig's like, I'm in. What do you have in mind? I don't know. You know what, he's always busy. He loves a good breakfast, but you know, he really doesn't have time to make a really good one for himself. Pig's like, all right, what are we going to make him? You're like, uh, we have uh, grits, maybe some cereal, I don't know, something from fresh fruit or something like that. Chicken's like, no, no, I got this. He loves some ham and eggs. What do you think? He said, dude, not so fast. For you, that's a contribution. For me, it is total commitment. Right? When Jesus is saying, man, if, if you, I mean, with my grace... I'm your Savior, but I'm also your Lord. It's not separate. The two go hand in hand. The two go hand in hand. So what I want from you is not to be a chicken. Yeah, and, and don't call your wife a pig, all right? <laughs> Ever. Even if she's committed. Even if she's committed. So Jesus wants us to be fully in 
100% a disciple of him. Not just to take forgiveness because we can get it. Not to keep on going in our sin because we know that he'll always forgive us. Salvation isn't a one-time thing. Jesus forgives our past sins, our present sins, and our future when he died on the cross. Rather, he wants us to be willing to give everything. Just like his disciples, Peter, Andrew, Thomas, Philip, Matthew, Bartholomew, James, Simon, Matthias, later on, Paul. Each and every one of those men, disciples of him, ended up giving their lives to the point of death. They became martyrs because of what they believed, because they followed Christ. And he wants the same from us. To wrap up, I want to leave you with just three action steps. I'm not saying do all three. I'm saying choose one. The first one's this. Perhaps you haven't received God's grace through faith in Christ. But I would plead with you not to leave here today without having done that. Listen, if you haven't made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to talk to you. Please don't leave here today without finding me. If I can follow up and have a meeting about it this week, man, there's nothing I would rather do. Second one is, as I was talking, this ladder, man, you're like, I've been on that ladder and I think I am currently. Commit yourself to getting off that ladder. Walk away here with with a full assurance of your salvation in Christ. Stop thinking it's up to your behavior Stop thinking that what you do, it makes Jesus love you less or more. It's none of that. That's the second thing. The third thing is this. Perhaps you've received God's grace, but you've been holding back. You feel more like that chicken who's just making contributions here and there, doing it when it's convenient or when it doesn't conflict with the kids' sports schedules or something else or when it doesn't embarrass you boy if you're that which i think all of us can resonate with that at some point in time of our life myself included if that's the case commit yourself to putting him back at the center of your life not on the side not as like a something we do on on sunday morning but commit yourself to putting him first in your life again let's go ahead and pray Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for uh, grace. Lord, you gave everything to us. And we want to give everything to you. Lord, I pray that we would uh, take hold of that. We would understand that it's not through our own actions. It's only you. But also, because of that, we want to make you our Lord as well as our Savior. Jesus, we put you first. Amen.